Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. Hope you enjoyed the past few we've had. Uh, you got to know the mystery lights, got to know Mail the Horse, and uh, you already knew Bob Boylan, but got to know him a little more. So we're we're off to the races after episode 200. Back to the album reviews, uh, you know, the Inner Arma album review one we just had, which was uh, sort of an epic podcast for us and hopefully for you. Uh, this week we're going to talk about another fantastic artist. She has a new album out called Undercurrent, talking about Sarah Jarose. Uh You know, Sarah Jarose is one of those people that operates in the folk sort of landscape, bluegrass landscape. I just saw her recently at the Kennedy Center performing with I'm With Her. Uh, it was with Sarah Watkins, amongst other people. A whole big sort of Americana acoustic celebration there. Uh, the long and short of it is that she's an astounding talent. I actually first saw her up at Newport Folk Fest. And, uh, and this was, I think, about right right about the time maybe her first or second album was coming out. I was like, whoa, who is this person? And since that time, that was back in 2012, and since then, um, she's just continued to develop and, and grow stronger as a musician. And uh, Undercurrent is the result. So Eduardo and Carrie are going to be joining me in the basement to talk about that. We're also going to be hearing from a band uh, that I just got to know, thanks to the good gentleman Mail the Horse, called Stink Champion. I'm going to tell you a little bit about them uh, after we uh, talk about Sarah Jaros, but uh, I will I will spoil this for you right now. They sort of kick ass. So there you go. That's your podcast. Uh, going to keep it short and get to it. Um, so if you're ready, if you're comfortable, if you are surviving this heat wave that we are currently suffering in not just D.C. all over the place, what up, global warming? Um... I think we'll get to it. So here you go. This is episode number 203 of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. We're reviewing the new album from Sarah Jarose, Undercurrent. Okay. It comes here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a logical fallacy. So we could like be down here. We could like what? Put the beer in there, right? Stick with this. Put the beer in there. Pull it all out at once because I think it only holds like six. So we got you know we got. Then it's basically a cooler, not really a refrigerator. Right? No, no, right, right. <laughs> then put some sausages in there. Turn it on, and by the end of taping, we're good. That's Han Solo and Carbonite has provided for us. It's a solid plan. <laughs> Is that not? That's not right. Well, that's a timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the darkest timeline. That is a timeline. <laughs> um, welcome back, Gary. I'm and, glad uh, to be here. And welcome back, Eduardo. Thank you. Or I should say, hello again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you haven't left. You're I've, back in rotation here. I've, I moved on from uh, the 311 CDs to Spin Doctor CDs. So I need You'll that. find a few in there. I need that live album, Home, Home Belly Groove or whatever it was. Oh. <laughs> I've been assured it's back there. I tell you what, though, you, you won't. You're gonna have to uh, pry my uh, Blues Traveler collection from my cold dead hands. <laughs> like, I only want four, so and I think I have that. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are back to uh, terrorize your ears yet another time. <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, this week we're gonna be talking about an excellent new album by an excellent artist who I just saw last night, uh, Sarah Jarose. Um, she has a new album out called Undercurrent. I believe it's out on New West. I'm not sure. I think it is. Uh, just came out. I think just mm-hmm. recently in the past week or so, and uh, I it shot straight to number one of like the uh, country and folk charts. Did it really? Yeah, I got oh, wow. I got a oh. notice. So uh, we're gonna be talking about her uh, in a little bit. Before that, uh, I want to talk about something uh, not title talk per se, but uh, same <laughs> sort of uh, same bullshittery. <laughs> Speaking the, of sociopaths. Talk, talking about the Ticketmaster settlement. Now, if you don't know what that is, if you haven't seen your Facebook feeds blowing up, be like, oh my God, I got vouchers. If you log into your Ticketmaster account right now, and if you bought tickets, I think it was between like 2009 and 2013, maybe. Um, 
you can look and say my vouchers and you'll see all these things. They're either a discount for between two and five dollars or a GA pass for two people to a show. And when it first launched, they did not uh, have a list of these shows. And then a couple days later, they finally did. And y- you have these vouchers, but they are basically to uh, can we just call the, the the worst concerts like in the world? Uh, it's hilariously bad, and and it's sort of it's sort of it's like bands that don't even perform live. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of it's sort of spit in the face. Now, now of the consumer, what the base of this? And actually, sorry, this was 2000, 2003. Uh, Schlesinger uh, versus Ticketmaster uh, filed allegedly uh, alleging that Ticketmaster failed to fully disclose to consumers all aspects of its UPS and ordering fees, and that's why now you have the like on there. It comes with fees. You see everything is coming out. Um, it was moved to class action and won, and that's why we're here now. They have, I think the number is $50 million that they have to basically refund or make available $50 million in tickets. They're doing it $5 million at a time. That might be wrong. Uh, but as we said, uh, not only these acts suck, I mean, for here, uh, Fillmore is a Live Nation venue here. It's the only mm-hmm. Live Nation venue. Everything else is IMP. Except for Jiffy Lube Live, uh, out in like the which is where Hell like, Zone, Virginia. Yeah. It's I, where the suicides go in Dante's Inferno. Yes, like, it's yes, like yeah. it is the worst place. I would rather pay Ticketmaster than go to Jiffy Lube. I will, I will give them ten dollars if I don't have to go to right, Jiffy Lube. Right, that's what I I'm saying. live ten miles from it. <laughs> so we know that Ticketmaster has been. Uh, oh, I get to use this. Ticketmaster, ticket bastard, has been the uh, has been the cocksplat on the on the on the consumer landscape of going to uh, shows for years now. People like uh, Pearl Jam has tried to fight them. Every band has tried to fight them at some point. Uh, some people have varying degrees of success. Bruce Springsteen was able, and Adele was able to mm-hmm. secure ticketless sections for their shows here, but they only get two thousand out of what, like a twenty or thirty thousand right. people person venue. What I mean, I I don't know. I I don't. I try not to buy from Ticketmaster. It's almost. It's hard to not. But I mean, should people just look at this and be like, "Yeah, whatever"? Are there people that are actually looking like, "Sweet, I got two free Def Leppard tickets"? Well, so well, so that's my first question to you guys: is is, do you know how many tickets you have already, and how many vouchers? Sixty. Okay. Yeah, I have I have twenty six. I think. Um, Yeah, I have I have a shit ton of vouchers, and then I also have the you get two dollars off your next Ticketmaster purchase. I'm like, fuck you! It's already forty five dollars in fees for a twenty five dollar ticket. Right? Did they just jack up the price two more dollars? Exactly. They're just adding another. Oh well, now we have our shipping and handling. Our costs went up. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh! It it barely covers the venue fee, which is somehow not the original ticket that you purchased. Right. The venue (laughs) fee. The thing to get access to the venue is not the venue fee. It's a doorknob (laughs) fee. We have to have all these new door. So why can't, besides the obvious answer, why can't we seem to fix this? I've been baffled that more uh, groups like Brown Bag haven't been able to make inroads in the market, given how many musicians hate this bullshit. And like Mm -hmm. Ticketfly came out and Ticketfly at the beginning was like Ticketmaster at the beginning where, okay, the fees are only $4, which I would have pitched a fit about 15 years ago. But now Mm -hmm. compared to Ticketmaster, I'm like... $4, $4, I'll pay that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now Ticketfly, depending on what venue it is, is just as bad as Ticketmaster. So I yeah, think it yeah. is just, you. I, the I, second we, you start making tic- money, it's just greedy, greedy, greedy. got a ticket greedy, to Warren Drugs at 930 Club, uh, who Ticketfly is exclusive yeah. to them. And the fees were 50% of the ticket. Yeah. And that's not unusual. And that's yeah. not unusual. And it's... Um, yeah. Like all these companies, I think what people need to understand about how these companies work is, you know, the musicians, I think, do want to work through that and work independently. Mm. The problem is, is that uh, these venues are tying, they're making contracts with these distribution companies. So you can't. And what they're saying is, so in the case of Ticketfly, well, Ticketfly makes uh, deals with all these artists, say, hey, we have this coming through and this coming through. And if a venue, just because we're here, say like the 930 Club, decides to break with that and say, no, we want to do something about that, then they say, okay, fine, then none of we will route all of our artists around your venue. Right. Well, here's... Ha- 
So being that um, in the in the jam band world, both the Grateful Dead and Fish were notorious for setting up their own ticketing mm-hmm. operations, order. right? For and and that's not the entire venue, but it's a significant portion of it. If you're an artist, would you not um, would you not maybe think about trying to approach uh, a touring act like that that tours enough to have their own infrastructure set up and try to work through them to deliver a portion of your tickets? Like, is that not um, is that not done? <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, the, that's become problematic over the years in itself. Yeah, right. Like, it's not, it's, it's not Basically, perfect. thanks to the internet. Right. Um, and, uh. Well, because it used to be that you could just go to the venue, wait for the tickets to go on sale, and then just buy them. Or sleep at your Kemp Mill like a normal person exactly. to be there at 10 in the morning. You could, that, <laughs> that was actually the, the, some of yeah. the more fun evenings I ever had in college yep. was camping yep. out for tickets. And then as soon as they went on sale, up they went. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, like, for, for example, Wolf Trap. Um, they have, I don't know who they operate through, but they have a shitload of fees that go on top of their tickets. Yes. And so if you know when the tickets are going to go on sale, you can just like drive to Wolf Trap and sit there and then open, you go to the box office. Mm -hmm. I've done that every year and I just make a list of what I want to go for, go to for the summer and I buy them all and I don't buy any, don't pay any fees. This year, Mm -hmm. everybody seems to have caught on to that and, or the fees have gone up so much that when I got there at nine o'clock in the morning on the Saturday that all the tickets go on sale, the line was wrapped all the way around right. the venue, which means you're not getting any damn tickets because as soon yeah. as they go up, everything is like five of the Concord sold out in 47 seconds, I think. Right. You know, it, you can't do old fashioned ways of getting around a popular concert anymore. Right. Right. And then you throw in bots on top of that. Right. Right. I mean, I, I guess with respect to the settlement, is that, you know, we get a lot of lip service from these companies like, oh, we're about the consumer and stuff. But the reality is, is that the only thing a company like this cares for and the only thing a venue who like engages with companies like this care for is the bottom line, is the money. You know, any club, not just 930 or stuff, you know, says, oh, we hate scalping and stuff, but they don't do anything to stop it. Right. They, they're like, oh, what? We, we sold in air quotes, sold out all our tickets you know, and then you walk into a venue and it's half full and there's just tickets on the ground outside because everything got bought up. Everything's on StubHub. And um, and then compounded on that is this issue of the artist not being quite sure anymore of what their market value is and legitimately wanting. And some could argue, uh, depending on who you are, they legitimately could get it, instead of this $50 ticket. Like, they're like, you know what? No, we're worth 125 and that's what we're going to charge. And it creates this weird ecosystem where the consumer, I mean, the as consumers, we're not picky. We don't care. You there should be another there should be another suit on top of this to be like you guys did not satisfy. Well, the thing is, is that it's it the it, I, it's up it's up to Ticketmaster to be the one basically that sets up its own settlement. And the court right. or whomever says, "Okay, you have to give back X number of dollars." But what the court should have said is actually structuring it as these people have already paid your exorbitant fees this many times. Yes. The next 18 sets of tickets they buy, right. there's to, no to fucking anything. fees. Yeah. To right. anything. They right. get a voucher that says no fees to anything, <clears throat> not you get a reduction in the shipping and handling of the fees. Right. How much does it cost you to email that ticket to me? Right. Well, you're charging me $5 <laughs> to electronically, through a robot... Yes. Email me what I just paid you twelve yes. seventy five to buy. Mm-hmm. That's what it should. That that's where the issue lies. Is it's not the, you know, the lawsuit went through and they technically lost, but they won because they're not out any money. They right. are still making. Mm-hmm. You're basically going to be getting a reduction off of the exorbitant fees they already charge you. Yeah, yeah. They, they, so they've, they've they've back into this already. Yeah, it's so the it's, remedy that's it's the remedy that's flawed, not the result. And, and that's sort of my point is that like I will ne- I will never go to another show at Jiffy Lube Live. Well, I that's not because of Ticketmaster. That's because <laughs> Jiffy Lube. No, that, that's what I'm saying. My <laughs> options here in DC, right? Okay, and admittedly, some of the admittedly some of the options are better. Right. If you're in New York or if you're in Los right. Angeles, right. Uh, a, a larger market like that. Like, if I had two tickets to see Weezer, I mean, fuck, that new album sucks, but I would go see him for free. Right. 
Right. Why, why the fuck not? But as it is, you have tickets to go see, like, a Tool cover band in Orlando if you want to do right, that. Right, right, <laughs> or, or, like, <laughs> the Counting Crows and Rob Thomas are touring together. Right. How, how, right. how do I know this? Because it was an event, a listed right. event but, that right, I can get but to. And it's at a fairground. But, and because they're not, they're, they're parsing it like this, what's happening is, is they only have so many of these things available. So people are going to right. use them, and they're like, oh, I get my $2 off. And they're like, nope, you can't use that. Oh, I get my right. free, nope, you can't use that. And so they're part. Re, you're basically waiting in line all over again for shit you don't want in the first place. Right. It's the same as airlines, where they the airlines get tagged yeah. on these, you know, the the marketing schemes on miles all the time. And what they end up doing is like having some lawyer and mathematician figure out how do we continue to screw them even though we actually right. lost. Yeah. The only ones who ever win are the lawyers, Kevin. You should know this. I do know this. <laughs> I do know this. Um. So I mean, can we like? Can there be a Brexit for Ticketmaster or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that'd be topical. National like, referendum. A national referendum. <laughs> just like kick, kick, let's let's kick Ticketmaster out of America. <laughs> just be like, you know what? You got to go, bro. Just say we you know- we asked you to be cool, and you couldn't be cool. So we you got to calm down. Although they basically all they got to do is say, America. We represent everything great about America. We started out as offering nothing, and we just charge you a shit ton of money for it. And like a frog, you sat in the hot water. And now it's boiling, so fuck you, <laughs> right. boiled frogs. It's America. <laughs> All these gems going into the intro. <laughs> fuck you, boiled frogs. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so it, you know, sort of joking about boycotting them or kicking them out of America, but I mean, you know, like we were saying, the options are finding independent venues. But even here in D.C., like IMP continues to expand. Uh, just irrationally expand, and and soon there's just going to be nothing but IMP venues. At which point, nobody has an option. Artists don't. I mean, people on a smaller level, you know, this is sort of ties into the streaming thing of being an, a truly independent artist. You want somebody to sell your tickets. Brown paper is a fucking perfect example of, of a way to do that. I think you can sell tickets through Bandcamp now. Uh, oh, there, nice. There's all sorts of ways to do this, but if you can't get into a like literally can't get into a city to do it. Like right. what are we looking at? Are we looking at like every show is like a Mr. Wives reunion? Well, it's it's what's happened to uh it's what's happened to movie theaters, right? Mm-hmm. Where you basically have, you know, um a highly concentrated market. Um we you know, if you go to see a movie like and it's not a matinee and it's a 3D uh it's going to be like $22 a person or yeah. something like that. Right. Like it's not which is and you have to do it or else you don't get seats because now everything right. has the, you know, if you get it a, a, in, in advance then you get to pick what seat you want. Right. So, yeah, and I have been saying brown bag tickets, and it's brown paper tickets. Brown paper tickets, yeah. yeah. I apologize. Not effects-based. But, and, and, and the get artists... off my lawn, you <laughs> ticket master! <laughs> yeah. But the artists who are big enough to, to, to be able to actually influence this don't care, because they're going to sell out whatever venue they play. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean it's a callous. It just care? doesn't... That's, what, that's well, my it, big question. It probably well, just doesn't even enter their, their realm of you know, concern. Well, except Pearl Jam really I was thought say, it. Right. Pearl, at, the, at the height of their popularity, too. They, and they it tried. still didn't... Yeah. And so every other band is probably like, I've got many, many things to worry about besides this. Yeah. And people don't seem to mind paying it, so they'll do it. Yeah. You got yeah. Beyonce selling tickets for $635. It's... You know, all, yeah, all that's what I was talking about. The market, if she the can, yeah. you know, if you can sell your tickets for that much, that's fine. I guess it's just we have too many people now uh, on the coattails of artists trying to make all this fucking money. I mean, right. the in the ticket industry is thriving, alive and well, right. while artists fucking can't make a buck. Well, right, it's full of so so all the rent seekers are doing great, um, and that's and there's there's sort of like a, a little bit of a you know hypocrisy here when artists can complain about this because sometimes what they're saying is just we're leaving money on the table because we're not allowed to charge, to charge like the market value for these, um, for these tickets. Um, I don't know how the Hamilton experiment is going to shake out where they're, they're doing oh, some yeah, yeah, yeah. really radical things with, with ticket pricing and, and trying to make, I think 90% of the seats very affordable. And then yes, the choice seats are going to be, are going to be basically what scalpers yes, are charging and that gets, for them in, right that gets into bots, which bots are run by honestly. Right. Like if you, if you don't think that places like StubHub and all these secondary markets are like, basically owned by Ticketmaster or at least have interest Ticketmaster and Live Nation, you're you're lying to yourself. Right. Uh because they they absolutely are. In fact I think Ticketmaster has a controlling interest in StubHub. Right. Um and one other thing. So they they actively run a secondary market. 
So if they can like and how that's not illegal, I just blame New Jersey. The mind. Blame, blame New Jersey. I blame New Jersey for many many things. Right, but it it is specifically New Jersey. It is specifically the mafia. Who I, I'm dead Whoa. serious. I'm dead serious. Hey, Burrow, you might that, want to move out of his basement. That, that escalated quickly. <laughs> no, no. Quickly. It's, it is. <laughs> it, it it is uh, special interests in quotes who have made uh, careers of this over the years, making money this way, and they are not going to let off it. And they have hold in the legislature, and that's it. Hmm. And it ha- it's come close to being able to be busted, but it can't be. You know, every like. That's why you can't do a paperless ticket in New Jersey or New York. Because then that huh. kills right. this whole industry of people that are backed by the mob right. that are out there selling tickets because they ran their bots. And I mean, it's just a old, you know, scam protection money, whatever you want to call it. Um, Man. Is that somebody at the window? It's intense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going <laughs> to. Um, we need to get all this bootleg liquor out of here right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, so if you, uh, got a settlement and you are finding that you are not satisfied with your, uh, two tickets to, oh, it's, who's a band? Glass Tiger. (laughs) The Glass Tiger reunion. There's going to be a lot of people going to Cirque du Soleil shows for a while, I I assume. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, you can email me, um. Carrie, you, yeah, we'll be Carrie at chunkyglasses.com. Don't we'll, you dare. We'll, 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 we'll Don't you, you forgive me when I'm that's, gone. That's, that's spelled. <laughs> C-A-R-I-E. C. Not, not like John Carrie, folks. No, no, no. Um, and like, like the horror movie. Yeah, like, no, we, like, we must, like prom Carrie. Please, yeah. please don't, don't forget that she can start fires with her head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, reach out and tell us what you think about this or, uh, you know, send us a message or something because... Uh, or send us photos of the fun show that you got to go to. Yeah, for you can free. do that too. I, I, for one, I just want and Jiffy Lube. This is this is a big thing that I want fixed uh, in in my lifetime, at least. Where, and it won't be. So I don't know why I'm saying this. You're uh, a true humanitarian. You know, where where there is some sort of equity and some sort of balance between the people that are are making money off these artists' backs and then what they right. make. I mean, that's fair, right? I mean, the fees are absolutely freaking absurd. It it is it's laughable what they're charging for yeah. now. Yeah, and none of it goes to the artist. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. Were you guys ready to talk about an artist who uh, hopefully never has this problem and is awesome? Here, here, Sarah Rose. Angelic voice right there is one uh, Sarah Jarose, now 25 years old. Uh, she's originally from Texas. She now, I think, is up in New York. Uh, debut came out uh, in 2009. Um, song up in her head. Uh, it was nominated for a Grammy uh, for a song off that uh, and Best Country Instrumental Performance. Second album, Follow Me Down, was in 2011. I uh, received a Song of the Year nom- nomination from the American Music Association. Build Me Up From Bones and 2013, nominated for Best Folk Album at the 50th 
you're sensing a theme here, right? right. The, the Grammy Awards. Um, she plays. She's a multi instrumentalist. Uh, mandolin, I think ukulele, octave mandolin, guitar, and banjo. Uh, has played uh, last night. I saw her with Sarah Watkins, Sarah Rose, uh, Elfie O'Donovan, a band oh, called uh, I'm with Her, which is yeah. fantastic. Uh, they have a little EP out that we'll link to in the show notes. Um, but her, uh, and it goes without saying that she may be a clone of Julian Welch. You can definitely hear We're some in of that, that timeline. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Her <laughs> <laughs> um, um, new album, Undercurrent, just came out. Uh, it sort of shot to the top of the charts, uh, as expected. Uh, this was uh, an album, I think, that sort of snuck up on me, because I've always been a fan of her work. I saw her at Newport Folk Fest a couple years ago, uh, and but I don't, I haven't followed it until now. I think that mm-hmm. might change after this one. Uh, we talked about a an album last year, the uh, Dave Rollins and Jillian Welch album, right? And we've talked about albums like Phil Cook's album that are these perfect cuts of Americana, and I think we'll see what you guys say. This might fall into that category. So what, let's start with you, Eduardo. Yeah, I think this one. Um... You know, I was I was familiar with her um, work, uh, but I I didn't um, I didn't think she had managed to break the mold um, in some of her previous albums. They were all really good, really competent, and the mold the mold being just just some some idea of like what a um, who were we talking about, Kevin? Just oh Sam Bush, right? That, that <laughs> yeah, there's a new yeah, Sam yeah. Bush album, and there's there's no surprises on a new Sam Bush album. You know exactly what you're gonna get, and it's fine if you like it, but um, I like happen to. Yeah, but like it's just it's just fairly uh, you know, routine. Um there's a different quality on this album a little bit. Uh and um so I think for starters there's no covers, right? Um yeah. which is and she's she's done some lovely versions of songs by Tom Waits and, mm-hmm. and Bob Dylan. Um so this album feels more personal. There's a sense of danger um that I think you heard a little bit on that on the on um House of Mercy in the intro. Mm-hmm. There's a there's 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 something else happening here. I don't know if it's you know she's talked in in interviews um, around this album about um, being done with school and now feeling like she has this kind of different um, sense of the world. Um, it's a deceptively simple album in the sense that mm-hmm. you might the first several times you hear it you might not think that there's anything that musically sophisticated going on, but there are little things um, I think everywhere. Um, and it sounds just so gorgeous, you know, like when, when people used to like test out speakers and stores and you would yeah. want to have an album to like, to <laughs> do that. City. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> this is, this is a great album for that because the acoustic tones are just very rich. Um, yeah. Mark Schatz's bass is just booming and just so, yeah, it just sounds so it, true. It's, it's funny because yeah, you, you think of a, I mean, she's considered to be a bluegrass folk artist. Right. Uh, you think of something like that, and I think that's a good way of putting it. Where you said it's deceptively simple, mm-hmm. because it's not at all, and and it and it it has an overall sound of these bluegrass records that you might might could like put it into the background and be like, I'm okay, and then interchangeable. But the second you start paying attention to it, it's like, oh, oh, this because there's little pop leaks into it, little stuff that is not bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something about the event that I saw her at last night, uh, American Acoustic was like, hey, acoustic music is still relevant. And they weren't limiting it to bluegrass. But it also, I think, was about uh, how this is how this type of music is going to evolve. And I think this is sort of one of the, I mean, she's a great example of one of the ways it's going to evolve. Yeah, because it has it has a little bit of that, um, that, that Gillian Welch, um, sort of high lonesome quality, mm-hmm. but it's also very rooted in, you know, no one in a Gillian Welch song, like uses a laptop or something. Yeah. Right. And this album has a little bit of a modern sense, you know, it, it's, it's taking place in a world where smartphones exist and where people, you know, uh, text or, or, or whatever there's a, it, it, it has a little bit more. And that's where I, I, this sounds a little bit more folky to me in the sense that it seems to be more about real world problems that people today would have yeah um which is which is nice it's nice to not have someone trying to you know write songs that sound like they were that, about daddy's corn whiskey right <laughs> yeah. exactly well because that's already been you know done and done by amazing artists yeah. you know you've mm-hmm. got I, I, i've the last of which has died ralph stanley right. literally ralph stanley. just died 
yeah. Dr. Ralph. Uh, but I'm in, tar- in there's like a whole realm of female artists that are in this like bluegrass rooted mm-hmm. have moved into more what you would you know qualify as Americana. But like I definitely hear a lot of Gillian Welch in this. I- I've seen her in the past um, related to Emmylou Harris, and I don't really see that as much because mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. Emmylou Harris is Emily, much Emily more very singular, very singular, very raw. Not there's not much polish about her, and her stuff is just so gut wrenchingly. Yeah. I don't think that anybody can compare to to Emily Lou Harris, but um, I think this is more in like a Cheryl Wheeler, Iris Dement, like I kind that of, kind of. I wasn't really wasn't expecting this album to sound this way because I didn't hadn't really read anything about what she was working on coming up to it. I really was expecting a lot more bluegrass, um, and I honestly don't hear a lot of bluegrass in this. This seems like a lot of country, you know, chicken fried smooth jazz on a lot of it. And I agree wholeheartedly with the deceptiveness of it in that the first couple of times I listened to it, I was like, meh. And then by the third or fourth time through, it was like this light went off and I Mm -hmm. felt like it was opening up like a flower, not to use like stupid metaphors, which uh, I I will get to my distaste for lost dog and stupid stupid metaphors soon i feel like that was the one off on the album that needs to be taken off but you know very similar an album that does a very similar thing for me at least this year is the uh robert ellis album really which we 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 had an interview of him uh we haven't reviewed the album did you go see him live i did and he was amazing Uh, but very much reminds me of of that and taking taking a form and and what you expect it to be and then you can enjoy it and uh, there's another album this year like that too that you can enjoy it as is very passively, or you can engage it. Yeah, and, and get a lot emotionally out of it. That's th- a good it comp. This really is. I mean, it, as quiet as much of the album is, it is such a departure from the the prior things we've heard from her. And I know she's been performing. I think since she was like eight or nine yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Since she's 25, I, I kind of appreciate that she's not putting out music that you would expect from Patty Griffin or, you know, somebody or, right, or, or right. Um, you know, any, any of the, the older, like 50, 60, 70 year old ladies who play the same sort of music and that she's not singing red dirt girl. She's talking about cell phones and things and breakups and um, stuff that's really relevant to a modern 25 year old. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen a little more effort put into the lyrics in this album. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice is so amazing, and the structures and the songs are are really well well thought out. There's there's not a lot in it that I found particularly original, um, but in uh, in Take Me Back, for example, the um, bass line in that it it's not original. It's not anything you've never heard before, but it is placed so perfectly right. with every line in that song, and you get through it, and you listen to it the first time through, and you're like. Eh, all right and then by the fourth or fifth time it really just just sinks in with you and grows um i i am a little concerned that she and sarah watkins and it seems like a couple of other uh ladies of that ilk have been hanging out with joanna newsom too much because it's really i can't stand <laughs> that's a concern Joanna Newsom, and it's oh, do tell. Oh, I was not here for that one because it would have just been like an hour of me screaming. Yeah, if I have to go it's, full negative, I usually bow out. It's not but, the time or the place to relitigate Joanna Newsom is all I'm going to say. <laughs> hey, um, but the my new, show, I'll decide when it's fucking time, buddy. <laughs> the new, the new Sarah Watkins that we, yeah, I, I started listening to a little bit this week, but had to like keep Very jumping similar. off of Very it similar. to get back to this. You can definitely tell where both of these ladies have been hanging out with their new best pal. And um, I'm not sure I like if it's going to go farther down that is it, road. Is it, is it the, I appreciate is it that the they're pop? making a change. Because because what I appreciate about this, and what I, and like you said, the laptops and the lyrical content. But in in my mind, we, we I think we've reached a point with especially bluegrass and folk where honoring the tradition is... Almost, you call yourself a cover band. And I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, There's not much else you can do with where it. where that point, you know, some could argue that point came 10 years ago. Well, you're talking about song structures that have been around for like 400 years. Yes. Because you're going back to yes. Celtic roots and... So mm-hmm. people being brave enough to uh, push it forward and still, and still like honor it and maybe stumbling a little along the way. Right. Because it, it is very new territory because... 
Um, you know, how do you, if, if that's your, what you're consciously trying to do, how do you like honor this and get the side of the people that are saying, you know, that they're purists and they're like, oh yeah, this is, this has, I recognize this is bluegrass versus the side of the people like, oh, I hate that pure stuff, but I recognize this. Like, how do you balance that to like, so that it appeals to everybody? I don't. I don't find Newsom to be pop. I, I find yeah, her yeah. to be like. Let's stop talking about Newsom. Okay. No. 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 That's fine. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that's where you were kind of jumping off. No, and, I wasn't. I mean, Newsom is Newsom, moving, is, Newsom moving, is our whole, is our whole other thing. Exactly. Moving things forward, putting you know more accessible lines and things, making things more digestible for everybody, because not everybody likes bluegrass and not everybody likes you know folk Americana. But you've got people with this amount of talent. They they should be able to find some way to reach a broader audience. Um, I, I, I liked this a lot. I didn't like where it moved into more jazz and kind of left the structures that yeah. I was expecting. Um, and when you guys are ready to talk about metaphors, I'm ready to jump in. Yeah. Well, uh, well, to, there's a bad one. The, we jazz, have to the, the, bad the one. jazz thing. And then, and then we'll, then we'll talk about metaphors. Okay. The jazz, it's interesting too, because that is a way of moving it because they're sort of on the same, like same side of the board. You know, you're talking about like classic American Mm-hmm. music and what are you gonna what are you gonna jump to i mean that's and bluegrass informed jazz yeah right and so you know justin towns earl for example yes. has a lot of albums that are walking that countrypolitan mm-hmm. line um they're 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 urbane um they're a little bit soulful they sometimes you might have like you know brass um on it um or you might just have a you know straightforward kind of uh guitar based drum song um, I think this this lives really comfortably in that in that area, and um, and I think it's actually, you know, if I like the idea of of people uh, of your sort of we always pick on Brooklyn as the stand-in for like hipster culture, but the idea that like you go and you listen to all these like bearded pastoral types, you know, um, and I'm picking on a few kind of obvious bands there who just do this like very safe-sounding, boring, uh, you know. Uh, treble heavy uh kind of stuff um this feels way more genuine and and i think i said dangerous earlier like it it has a little bit of that like sharp edge that you don't get with most of those you know crappy yeah i kind of felt like it i felt like it fell like right in the middle of like a really good coffee house artist like when you walk in and you're not expecting to hear somebody actually just pouring their heart out and being quite good at it in some random coffee place. And it's in the middle of that and like a, like a huge Katie Lang with an orchestra. Right, right, right. It's, it's, <laughs> um, let's, let's play a track now and then, and then talk about some metaphors. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, we were going to play green lights, but you mentioned, uh, take me back. So what do you, what do you guys want to play? Let's, let's vote on this. Green. I will say that green lights is a song for me that, not a lot of this album sticks in my head. Like there's not a lot of stuff that you can sing along with or uh-huh. go along with when it's off. Green lights is the one that if whenever that song is on, when I turn my car off or when I turn off my headphones, that song continues in my head for like another okay. 30 minutes. I like, I like that song. A lot. All right. This is a uh, green lights, Sarah DeRose off her new album undercurrent.
yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, you're right. That actually, and that takes it out of that bluegrass stuff. It's, it's very identifiable, uh, parts of that tradition moved into almost a pop song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a little bit of like a kind of almost like a jazzy touch there or something. Yep. There's sort of a like Joni Mitchell doing Mingus. That was like adult uh, contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, right. yeah. And and I was saying like off mic right before we came back, I saw her, uh, she was singing with the thing at the Kennedy Center last night was her, uh, with, I'm with her, uh, Bale Fleck and Edgar Meyer and the Punch Brothers because it's run by Chris Thiele. And who all those guys are apparently like I think Gabe Witcher produced this album. Okay. So all these guys, it's a cross pollination. Like Thiele is actually sort of building his own scene. Right. right. Uh, and he's been working and on that for a while. He has. He is. Yeah, he's definitely good at it. And, yeah, <laughs> and he's good at it. And he, if anybody is going to do it, like he's got the cred. Yeah. Um. And you know they sang uh, the tourist from uh, Radiohead's OK Computer, and she sang it. Usually uh, he sings it, uh, and it was is fucking magical him singing it uh, i've seen him do it with just him and a mandolin yeah and it is just like it makes you just weep it's so yeah he's done like he they do a kid a from radiohead Mm -hmm. and you know even though like the the moonshade pool made me forget about radiohead as being relevant (laughs) like this actually i was like maybe i'll go back and listen to okay computer um you know but uh you know i i I just i the more I listen to this album, the more I'm, I get invested in what she's doing and what she's going to do. Yeah, this uh, this album hit me like right in the Dar Williams, I guess. As uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, just you know, the other the other earlier this week, like it was uh, it was that morning where it was like thunderstorming at like eight in the morning, yeah. and you just wake up and you think, God damn it, why is the world like this? Um, and I put this album on, and I thought, oh, it's going to be okay. This is uh... I'd completely forgotten about Dar Williams. <laughs> That's like pretty apt. Um, yeah, but I I don't I don't I can't imagine any um other than I think the little speed bump that we still need to, to talk about. <laughs> I think this is an immensely successful uh, work. What does not work, and um, and I'm glad that that Carrie and I talked about this beforehand because it turns out we agree for once. <laughs> Is the song Lost Dog, which is just so misguided and so not successful at at what's wrong with it's, it? It's it has like a weird uh so okay. Um representing a a a loved one as an animal or using an animal as a stand-in for a loved one is a is a common musical trope. It's mm-hmm. acceptable. If you go too far with it, the listener ends up picturing a person having sex with an animal. <laughs> See, that's not what I, that's or, not where I would go. Just in certain pictures. And so when she says to the, she I, says, I don't think the problem is Mr. Rose is here. And she says, after burying your bone in so many yards and you're back here, I just, I just like, I pulled out my earphones and I was like, that is just gross. I don't need, I don't need, like if, if you're going to be literal about a lover well, Have you had relations with a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> It's just the song. It's like both literal in a way that's that 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 is like too literal, and then the mm. metaphor is not well done enough for it to Ugh. work for me. And it's just it is, and it's a cliche anyway. Yeah, it's so. a it's a complete cliche. It doesn't belong on something as otherwise nuanced as I'd say eighty percent of this album is. She's I mean, twenty five. She's twenty five yeah. years old. I mean, I'm gonna give her a lot of slack, even though she's you know prodigy genius, graduated from the best schools, blah blah blah. But and, my and look, God, in Lester hands, the song was just being called "I Fucked a Dog," right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. right, right, right. We know so, Nickelback could have turned out that song, or or or, or Snoop Dogg in the or early nineties. Right. <laughs> but it's it, if you take a metaphor, I think that you really should only use it in the. You should you know parse it into a song, mm. not ensure that every lyric has to rhyme with some sort of dog-themed rhyme yeah. <laughs> to where you feel like you're being bludgeoned. Because you then picturing her with a dog. This is my I, problem. No, it's like, well, it's that's, actually a no, dog. No, that's not that problem. That's your about. problem. I don't have that problem. I'm just saying, distressing. I feel like I'm being bludgeoned by this... Oh, oh God! Just please stop talking about this damn lost dog. <laughs> and, and I, I want to, assure, Sarah, if you if you're listening, I want to assure you that Eduardo won't be uh, here if you if you come by. <laughs> I, <laughs> Even I, though he practically lives in the basement, he he, he will keep I'll, his. I'll vacate the property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get a temporary restraining order. Yes. Um, no, I just I, I, uh, that is a, a, overall in this album, and I know I'm starting to lose my own words, so I really shouldn't comment on anybody else's. But um, I feel like. This this album could have been much stronger 
if there had been a little bit more work with the lyrics. And I realized that she's won Grammys for um, instrumentals. So I really don't yeah. have a lot of a lot of uh, things to say about about coming up with lyrics. But like if you compare this to Casey Musgraves, for example, yeah. that album is transcendent, not only because it's the like pageant material is one of the best albums, frankly, I've ever heard, but not yeah, just for the it's... music, but also the lyrics are so freaking spot on. Right. And in this this album, I feel like the lyrics kind of suffer. It's they're very pedestrian in many places. There's a few really good lines, mm-hmm. but not throughout the album and when you end up with a song like lost dog unfortunately to me it kind of drug the the lyrics of everything else down and there's also um i had a problem with some of the enunciation on it um when she was trying to get a little more jazzy a little more saucy on some of them um like take another turn when she's talking about you know should you talk to yourself some more it sounds like shitty shitty yeah. talk to yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. shitty take another turn and and it was and yeah. once I heard it the first time, I could not ever unhear it <laughs> right. that way. So it okay. just sounded like she was saying shitty the whole time. And her voice is so beautiful that I found that to be a little bit more distracting than it needed it to be. But okay. God, yeah, Lost Dog. Um, and it's too bad because that song is gorgeous uh, musically. musically yeah. And it sounds exactly like some other song that I can't remember, but I will probably think of about three o'clock in the morning. But it's it's like the best Amy Mann song you've ever heard. Right. <laughs> Right, which is not like territory you would expect somebody who's come from this, this tradition to right. mine. Right. right, which right. I think is her strength is that she she has. I, I think as people her age come up more, not to make this an ageist thing, but they have more uh, not not just more of a a background to pick from, but more of an opportunity. She's not she's not like hanging out in like Kentucky or the Appalachian. Right. She's well, living in New York. Yeah. She I just appreciate graduated that you just from... said Appalachian because that is the accurate way to say it. And I'm, nobody says it right. And the dri- Appalachian. I mean, uh, me too. And, and everybody says Appalachian and it's wrong. And the drive by truckers say it incorrectly on the new album, by the way. That's, yes, a, that's a spoiler. I won't be able yes. to listen to it. Uh, so she's actually been hanging out at the New England Conservatory, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, getting and, a degree. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Not she's just not, hanging let me, out. Let me rephrase actually that. Actually getting she a was, degree. She I, was enrolled. I, I, I hope she snapped you like, <laughs> <laughs> how's this for a metaphor? She was... <laughs> Um, but, uh, but, but what's amazing about that is that, you know, so, so you would, the, I, I guess the conventional, uh, narrative might be that, um, someone who's a very talented instrumentalist in a tradition goes to the New England Conservatory and they come out and they're like, you know what country needs is Afro-funk and let's find a way to do that. Right. And instead she came out with a very restrained, um, and an album that is again, musically complex in ways that are not obvious. Right. And, and it's, it, and it's not complex in a, like, I'm going to play a lot of notes in this bar. Like Chris Right, fact, right. Yeah. I'm right. going to dis- I'm going to play as many notes as I can as quickly as possible. Right. I, so. And Green Lights right now is still playing. Yeah, yeah. So that's <laughs> such a, it's, yeah. That, that could the, be a Joni Mitchell song. That bass line mm-hmm. is so Absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Carrie, what are you going to do with this? I'm going to buy it. All right. Yeah. yeah. Even bad metaphors and all? Yeah, because 80% of the album is just spot on fantastic. Okay. Eduardo, what do you think? Uh, bye, bye, bye. And, yeah. uh, and I'm really sorry about my earlier comments. <laughs> the reference. We'll get you help, man. D- we'll get you help. I say, I, I, yeah. Uh, I, I am also going to buy this. And, uh, and this, this reignited my fandom of her. Uh, so I've been digging back through her earlier albums and... Uh, just a, especially after seeing her last night, just a stunning fucking artist. God, yeah. I'm so and, bummed I've missed last night. And I'm going to start listening to Star Williams back. again. <laughs> I believe, don't quote me on this, but 728 at the Birchmere. Mm-hmm. Oh, and hopefully she will be here before to talk with us. So. I will. I will. Just just give me some advance warning and I won't be here. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Pack up uh, his clothes and get out. <laughs> all right. Now you guys uh, get the fuck out of my basement. How about that? <laughs> Throw all this shit in the duffel and out you go. All right. Some days feel so heavy They come when I'm not quite ready I get to feeling useless I can see right through this I'm gonna let the song in my head ring It feels like the world is collapsing
Serge Rose is the name of the artist. The name of the album is Undercurrent. Uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that chat about that album. Whether you not heard of her before, we probably have, uh, or you're just coming to her and, and get turned on to that. Uh, I hope you did. Uh, it's a fantastic album. She's a fantastic artist, and uh, you know pretty much everything she does is great. And uh, lucky for you, she's torn right now. This week, she's going to be here in D.C. on the 28th. We'll put that in the uh, in the post in the show notes and whatnot. Uh, it's out at the Birchmere, which is just outside of D.C. And if you are in the nearby vicinity, I recommend you you maybe check out that show. It's going to be hot as fuck out. So the Birchmere is a beautiful room. It has some beautiful air conditioning, some cold beverages, and some tasty food. Plus Sarah Jarose, I don't think you can... I, I don't think there's really an option here. Uh, hopefully we're going to be there too. So, uh, Sarah Jarose Undercurrent, check it out now on uh, your platform of choice or just buy it. Um, before we sign off this week, I'd like to play a track every week before we get out of here. And this week will be no different. Um, what is a little different about this is that we're going to be playing an older track. Now, as much music as we know about, uh, you can't you can't find out about everything, and that's why things like having uh, Mail the Horse crash here with the drummer for the band I'm going to be talking about uh, happen, and all of a sudden you get turned on to this whole like new just block of music that you didn't know existed, and uh, makes your life better for a week. The band I'm talking about is uh, State Champion. Uh, the album that, that I their first album, Stale Champagne. Um, is the one I'm going back to. It's in 2010. This is uh, fronted by a guy named Ryan Davis, uh, as they would tell it, the guys who mailed the horse. Uh, he's the reason they're in a band. You know, just seeing how good of a songwriter uh, he is, you know, they're always trying to sort of catch up to him. And after listening to it, I can see the uh, I can see the chase. Although I think they're doing just fine by themselves. And if you're at that show, you definitely know they're doing fine by themselves. Uh, so anyways... Uh, we're going to play a track from back in 2010. The name of the track is The World Don't Need Me Around Much Anymore. It is off the album Stale Champagne. The name of the band is State Champion. And if you're ready, I think we should rock.
The World Don't Need Me Around Much Anymore by State Champion off their 2010 album Stale Champagne. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. And uh, I encourage you, the three albums I've heard are that, uh, Deep Shit and uh, Fantasy Error, I believe is their most recent one. They are up on all the streaming services. I think you can buy them on, uh, I don't think they're on Bandcamp, but I think they're on Tumblr and whatnot. And uh, I have a little label page, but we'll have all the links in there. Uh, that is our podcast for this week. If, you, if you've been enjoying uh, what you've been hearing, whether it's you just came to this podcast or you're just discovering it or you're a longtime listener, uh, if you haven't rated us, uh, please go ahead and do that. Give us a star rating. Uh, we we base our existence, it's our existential struggle every day, about how many stars we have. Uh, so you can help that out because right now we're feeling a little a little lonely. And uh, you can rate us. You can write us a review if you want. If you can be like, this is awesome. You can be like, this is stupid. Doesn't matter. We accept all kinds of feedback. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on Google Play right now. You can listen to us on Mixcloud, Stitcher, uh, coming soon probably to SoundCloud. Um, or you can just listen to it right on the site. I went back. Um, I listen to these things a lot. And I went back the other day because there's our friend Sean Barnett's birthday, uh, who's a DC-based artist, DC-based right now. And also one of the first interviews that we did on this podcast because I, I didn't know how to do an interview. And was, this guy, it seemed like he was a good guy to talk to. And turns out he was. And uh, now he's one of my very good friends. But I went back and listened to it on the site. And I was like, hey, this works too. You know, I've got my podcatcher and stuff. But, you know, if everything's just right there, you just leave the tab open and play it. It's like, it's nice. You know, it's nice to have options. Um, so, yeah, you can do all that or not. You know, we'll be back later on this week with a... Uh, very frank and a very uh, awesome conversation with two of my favorite people to talk with, Marcus Dowling and Marcus Moore. Uh, the uh, name of the album we're going to be talking about is uh, Freetown Sound. It's Blood Orange, and uh, it's an amazing album. But we'll get to that. we got to give you time to digest this. So uh, we'll see you in a few days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!